welcome to Drunk Valorant episode number 93. Um, We're getting up there. Yeah. What are we going to do for 100? I don't know. I've had, I've had a couple different ideas. The first, the biggest two I've had is new one calendar. going... What? <laughs> a new calendar. Fireman's calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's number one on my list. But number, the other two options were uh, the first being going back through old episodes and doing like either pulling out the best clips from the past or Didn't also we do that already. Yeah, we did. Well, no, that okay, like we, did, we did a lower version, effort. Yeah. We did a lower effort version where we went through and like came up with some, like brought out some funny ideas. I'm, I'm talking actually me putting in some work to then actually play the clips during the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I, I'm okay with that because you're putting in the work. Right. All right, guys, we've gone way too far, and I have no fucking idea what either you two fucks are drinking, so... Well, let let him finish his second idea. (laughs) I can finish my first beer, and then I can get on my second beer as well. Yeah. And then the second idea is completely different and is less to do with us, and that's that we have, like, a clip competition where we open up to the Discord, everyone, uh, you know, send in your best clips, and then we make a video where we, like, pick the best clips and talk about them. That, like, the just best be clips of people that. shotgunning beers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be shotgun competition. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, should I just launch yeah. into it, Cass, for my beer? Jet I'm 1v5s. This, <laughs> jet 1v5s oh, with a shotgun. <laughs> just, like, yeah. just back to back five beers in the jet <laughs> cosplay. <laughs> oh, man. It'd be very impressive. You would have the best clip if you submitted that. Just yeah. throwing that out yeah. there. Um, so we can count the down to it, they're all Valorant clips until number one, which is just some dude in jet cosplay counting <laughs> drinks. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, yeah, Hunter, what are you what are you drinking? Yeah. This is a beer that I was very excited to talk about okay, when actually, I first Hold on, I got I got to cut ago. you off real quick. Is that a Valorant <laughs> basketball jersey? I, I showed you this when I got it, but yes, it is Valorant uh, Champs twenty twenty three. Yeah. Okay, that's that very clearly, comfortable. I, I I clearly totally missed that when you first got it. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I like it a lot. Sick and much. now I can talk about this on the podcast. I tried to order a hoodie for Chase, and then it never showed up. So we we got to work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it's unfortunate. He was trying to get me that as a surprise, and then you know yeah. maybe like a month after that, he's like, "Well, I guess I can tell you because obviously you don't have it." <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Cass knew about this as well. Yeah, I knew about it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, onto onto my beer though. Uh this is The Doctor Says I Am Hazy by Mobtown Brewing. It is a New England IPA and it has the distinct feature of being of having wheat uh malt in it uh, or it's malted with wheat, I guess is what you would say. Uh oat malt, Vienna dextrin, white wheat and raw wheat. And that creates a very unique beer because I really don't like wheat beers where like the hops, no, not not the hops. I guess it'd be the what it's initially brewed with wheat versus I guess barley is the standard, um, and this isn't that. Like it has the you know the the full normal like core of an IPA, but when it first hits your tongue, you know how like when you take a a big old bite of like a fresh baked soft piece of bread you know right out of the oven um it kind of has a similar feeling where it's like this warm comforting not quite sweet but like just very pleasant uh hit to your mouth so it's not like there there are there is some hoppiness in it that comes later but it's just an incredibly pleasant and like 
wholesome beer to drink. And one of my favorite uh, IPAs of the year, for sure. Very nice. Very cool name, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the name a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I'd actually like the beer. Um, yeah. I mean, malted beers are fine. Yeah, I generally don't like malted beers. But this being malted with wheat is very different than anything I've had before. Hmm. Is that the same thing they do to milkshakes? Okay, what, when you when you get a milkshake, not what, sure what they... is getting a milkshake malted? I, I have no Okay, never... I, I just know yeah. that I did it when I went to Z-Burger, for those of you on the East Coast. I, I like... taste no difference. Okay, like, I genuinely don't know I what do it is. I do taste the difference, but I can't describe it. But, like, well, I, get, oh, okay. I know what it is. They have malt powder. Basically, they have That's, a malt powder that they put into the milkshake. Yeah. Um, and that is what you're paying the extra 50 cents for or whatever mm-hmm. when you get a malt. Hmm. That's what makes it a malt. Um, I'm assuming, like, malt would be the same thing that's in, like, malt balls, like Whoppers. Yeah. Right? Little, like, chocolate-covered malt balls. Um, mm-hmm. That would be what malt is. So it's, like, a bit of a tangy taste, I guess. But, like, does it really make a difference? I've decided, no, that a milkshake is fine and that a malt tastes literally no different than a milkshake. Yeah, the the answer that I found online is, the short answer is that malt is a sweetener with a distinct toasted caramel-like fruity flavor. Mm. It results from processed cereal grains thanks to lots of science. More on how it's made below. Um, And my personal opinion is that malted milkshakes are inferior to regular milkshakes. I do not like the malt flavor in milkshakes. Mm. Hmm. Wow, I'm just surprised that you guys taste a flavor. I'm not saying I taste anything. I'm just saying that I get the option. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I feel I, like I would like it because I really like malt balls, but like I just don't yeah. taste a difference between well, dude, a malt I and malt. Maybe I need to have them like side to side. You know, I can absolutely yeah, yeah. destroy a bag of malt balls. Um, <laughs> Not my favorite thing, but if you leave a bag, I, you know, it's it's gonna disappear over time. Mm-hmm. That's like God. Like, I I used to be way better at this in high school. Like it might just have to do with having more self constraint and whatnot. But like I'd often just have like. A classic salad well not like a salad bowl but like a glass bowl and i'd just have like some sort of candy thing in there be it like usually it was peanut m&ms but like yeah sometimes it'd be like malt balls or skittles or whatever and i'd just like get like the stupidly large bag like the party bag or yeah. whatever and just like keep that next to my desk um it was great well two thing, two reasons you don't do that now yeah um one is that you wouldn't be able to keep it anywhere because it would just be gone yeah. Um, and two, uh, your own money versus parents' money. No, no, no. I, I bought this with my own money back then, too. Yeah, but you were making fake money because you didn't have to pay for food or rent. Touche. It's the, your parents' money. <laughs> <laughs> Any high school job earnings are still your parents' money. I don't care. <laughs> Unless you lived on your own. <laughs> yeah. In which case, good on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, tip of the cap to you. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I don't know. It's obviously, like, straying farther and farther from the Bower and Slash Beer Talk, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I think when I was, like, 13 or whatever, my parents would just like, yeah, you can get a job and you can buy whatever you want with your money, but, like, unless you really need something, yeah, you can kind of just figure out what you want to get and you can work and you can get what you want to get. Great, and you did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was cool, because my parents would never get me a game console, and I finally saved up enough money to go out and buy a PS3, and I was fucking stoked on it. And my parents were like, well, yeah. that's what we said. You could make your own money, and you can get what you wanted, and all right, and if that's what you want to spend your money on. Um, oh, is that the PS3 we tried to play COD yes, Zombies Yes, it is. 
but like that that's how yeah. i finally got a fucking console mm-hmm. it was like i would i worked i saved up my money and my parents were like well it defeats the purpose if we then don't let you get this still so yeah and yeah. that's all yeah. i mean yeah. i'm controllers are uh in need of serious help at the moment but you know oh, that's plenty of good hours on that <laughs> yeah i uh i saved up money and bought my gamecube mm-hmm. i was like nine but like I was probably younger than that, honestly. Hmm. I don't know. I just remember, like, I really wanted a GameCube, and so, like, I saved, but it was probably just, like, you know, five bucks my parents gave me here and there. It's not like I had a job at nine years old. Um, And then I spent $100 at Toys R Us to buy a GameCube. Maybe it was Best Buy. I can't remember at this point. Wow. A hundred bucks. Crazy. It was $100, and it came with three games. That you got to pick wow. from a rack of like the the GameCube choice games. If anybody remembers that, that like Luigi's Mansion and Mario Party mm-hmm. Seven. Man, good times. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if there's anything cool that I bought as a kid, but I was honestly uh, very frugal as a kid. That that certainly changed over time. But I saved most of my money growing up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Chase, yeah. what beer are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking a beer that Cass got to try. I think while he was out here. Um, because I'm still drinking the same beer that I purchased in a growler while he was oh, out that here. One. That one's it's the uh, Cosmic not... Haze yes, double IPA. I... Oh no, it's it's like quite flat yeah, at okay. this point. It's still got some bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have you can count them on one hand, but they're there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got like half a growler full still, so that's what I'm drinking right now. I had it on the pod a few weeks ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the Galaxy double IPA, but it's really good. Cass got to try it. It still has like the galaxy flavor, even though it's uh, yeah. you know, more like a like an iced tea, <laughs> <laughs> galaxy flavored iced tea. Yeah, hey, galaxy flavored anything is good. So good stuff up with that. Yeah, it was quite good. I, like, yeah, I don't know. I I guess the thing with me for growlers is like, Chase, did you have, you didn't have like a like a two liter growler, was it, or like the one point eight nine? You've got like a slightly yeah, smaller that- one, right? No, no, this is the t- standard. Oh, okay, standard. Power. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have a hard time because, like, like Trey said, he still has some left over. I'd have a hard time getting through uh, two liters of that before it goes flat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it goes flat in like a day. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Well, I yeah. feel like you get like you get the day you buy it, and then you get the next day, and like you're chilling. And then anything after yeah. that is like okay, like we're pushing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, yeah, Chase, the, my thought, the thought that I had as soon as you said the name was that, like, there are probably so many other beers that have that exact same name. Cosmic Haze? And, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like, especially in the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and sure enough, yeah, what what was the brewery that you got it from? Nelson Brewing Co. Yeah, there are literally, like, five options, none of which are Nelson Brewing Co. for, if you Google Cosmic <laughs> Haze beer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but was it a Deepa? Oh. This Cosmic Haze double IPA. Also, the guy at the brewery had multiple no of these are in it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was kind of surprised because, like, I was like, "Hey, like, is it a just Galaxy beer, or like, is there other hops in there?" And the guy was like, "I don't know. I think there's Galaxy." Like, yeah, he said there was Galaxy. He, he thought he thought there was also Citra in there, but he wasn't sure. Yeah, but I'm like, I feel like the way that he answered, he didn't really even know if there was Galaxy. Yeah, like, <laughs> like what the <laughs> heck? Maybe he just um, wasn't an IPA guy. He just hadn't had very much of that that beer. Yeah. 
Could be. But yeah, so, um... Oh, God, hold on. Let me just send a message here to someone. Okay, there we go. I'm drinking a blueberry ginger shout, uh, eh, sour from Small Gods Brewing. Um, it's called She Will Be Everywhere. And hmm. it, it it's a very good beer, but once again, I'm annoyed with the blueberry sours. Like, so many times I get a blueberry sour, and, like, the blueberry flavor just isn't as pronounced as I'd like. And this is still a very good beer, and I would definitely get this again. I'm just a little irked by it. Like the, you just want something to punch you in the face with blueberry flavor. Well, yeah, it's like the the ginger comes You're spoiled through, by the heavy fruit. Like the ginger comes through quite like quite heavily, and then it has well, it's a like, strong flavored ginger. Yeah, right? a tiny little bit of ginger is going to be like. And then it has the like you know when you eat like an unripe blueberry, and it's really tart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like that flavor comes through, but I like. Like, I love blueberries. They're my favorite fruit. Like, I want the really ripe, juicy, like you're biting into a fat blueberry flavor. I think that that's a hard flavor to come by because it's, like, it's subtle. Even though, like, when you get really good blueberries, like, that's obviously what you're tasting because you're only eating Mm -hmm. blueberries. But I think it's kind of a subtler flavor. So I could see why it's difficult to transfer to, like, a third medium. Yeah. You know, third party. Um. It's probably also why blueberry-flavored candy tastes nothing like blueberries. I can see that. Yeah. You know, it, you know, like, I feel like if you have a... If, like, the candy flavor is very distinct from the actual fruit flavor, then, like, it might be difficult to replicate unless you're, like, going for the blueberry candy flavor, which I wouldn't like as much mm-hmm. as, like, the blueberry fruit flavor anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about, like, the difference with candy flavor, like, the biggest thing that came to my mind is how different banana candy is from actual bananas. Well, yeah, but there's the whole reason for that, which is, like, the old strain of bananas. We've talked about that. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I, like... Watermelon is the one that comes to my mind, but... It's still a very good beer. It's just, like, very prominent on the ginger. And, yeah, like, I I want something to, like... Like, I want a sour that isn't super sour, necessarily, and, like, Mm -hmm. really has, like, the blueberry compote flavor to it. Like, definitely on, like, the sweeter side, like, throwing some, like, hints of vanilla and stuff like that. And, like, I think that... Yeah, I feel like, like then you're going to have a blueberry pie flavor. Maybe. Which like, I think you can do a good blueberry pie sour, mm-hmm. probably. I just, I haven't gotten one yet. All the ones I get are just, like, mixed with something else, which I find overpowers the blueberry. Because, like you're saying, like, it is more subtle flavor. Um, And then they often go for, like, the very tart blueberry instead of, like, the sweeter one. But... It's still a good beer. I'd recommend it. I'd get it again. Just once again, I'm slightly irked about it. So if, if, in the Discord, if any of you know of a uh, blueberry beer where you can't taste anything but the blueberry, let Cass know. He'll uh, pay top dollar to get it shipped to him. <laughs> All right. Well, moving well, on. To okay, s- wait. What? Before you move on, yeah. uh, one more thing just because I want to talk about it. Because um, I was just thinking about the uh, interaction we had at the brewery for the Cosmic Haze. Um, and the guy was saying that, like, they were just coming out with another batch of Cosmic Caves, which they were going to can, because Cass wanted, like, the the beer in a can, and they, they hadn't canned the first uh, batch, I guess. It was, like, just available on tap. So um, he was saying, like, oh, yeah, but this one's coming out, like, you know, a little bit weaker. Like, I think the beer that I'm currently drinking is around, a, like, 8%, maybe? Maybe, like, 85 and 
he was like, oh yeah, this one's coming out more like, you know, 6.8 or something like that. Wow. Um, which I, I just thought was kind of cool to be like, okay, well, this is like, they're, they're doing enough experimentation at this brewery that like their beers aren't coming out the same. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, we're going to make a, uh, yeah. a 7% beer. They're like, ah, it'll be what it comes out to be. You know, they're just bad at brewing. <laughs> yeah, like, just, shoot, we messed it up again. The alcohol percentage is wrong. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, though. It's, it's cool that they're not just like, well, we throw the ingredients in as per the recipe, and it's always going to come out, like, you know, the way we planned it. Yeah, but they're like, oh, this one's going to be a bit different, because... Uh, yeah, more of a personal We're, we're winging it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Valorant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, moving on to some violent stuff here. The first thing I wanted to talk about is like, and I'm going to assume that neither of you guys have seen this video. Um, it's roughly an hour long and it's Sean Gare is talking to Shazam. I saw that the video exists. I have not seen the video. Uh, there, there are a couple, there, there are a couple things that like they, they talk about that I wanted to go over and hear your guys' opinions on. Um, because, well, there, it's more like a side topic to what they talked about for, any of you listeners who have seen that video. So it's not like we're going to be covering the exact same things here. Um, but the, just a little bit of background information. So like Shazam used to play CS um, and primarily opt-in CS. I think that's about all the background information you need. Um, but so the first thing that I, I wanted to go over here is, uh, oh, also Sean Garris played CS competitively as well and then was Hunt and Thieves head coach. Or not this last season, but the season prior to franchising. Also and then people great. not living, you know, people that might be living under a rock when it comes to a competitive scene or streamers. Uh, Shazam played on Sentinels. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, no way. I scarcely then, believe it. And then played on G2 in the Challengers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that I want to go over here is uh, just talking about the organizations uh, of Valve versus Riot. And one of the things that Shazam talks about is how, for CS, like, none of the devs were ever really, like, present in the pro scene or anything like that. And, like, they wouldn't really respond much at all to, like, you know, pro requests for, like, balance changes or meta changes, specifically in relation to, Shazam was talking about, like, weapon patches. Like, oh, these guns are too strong they're being like purchased way more often than other guns like they're too good for the price point or whatever um the devs just kind of did their own thing whereas like riot actually like reached out like the devs reached out and like requested feedback from like a bunch of the pros uh like a while back uh and then like he was saying that like anytime they're at any events they're always like devs there trying to like you know pick pros brains and like get information on um on how they feel about like the meta or like how certain guns are balanced and like or agent balance and stuff like that and i guess the question is were were your guys stances on how good or bad of a concept that is i mean i would say that it's very good at least on the surface before i think more deeply about it um like i feel like the devs in valorant have like a very public image Right. Like they often yeah. they come out with like videos explaining patch notes. They like instead of just releasing patch notes, they'll often they'll put comments under explaining stuff. Um, they have a fucking podcast. 
where they talk about recent patches. I don't know how many episodes that ran for, if it's still going, but I, when it came out, I definitely listened to the first couple of them. Um, but it was like the plan was every time a, a patch was released, they would have the podcast to uh, talk about what the patch notes were, um, which was really cool. I feel like other games don't necessarily have that. I'm sure there are some that do, but um I mean, the way that you're describing it, it seems like that would never be something that, like, the Valve devs would do. Mm -hmm. um, they're, like, very, like, okay, we're going to take the game in the direction that we see fit, right, and not be influenced by uh, by whatever public opinion or pro-opinion is. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess the counterpoint to that would be, like, it often does seem like the devs are leaning heavily towards either the the opinions of either very popular streamers or professional players, which doesn't necessarily make for a better game for the large majority of people. Like, I believe... I mean, ev everybody gets influenced, right? Like, sure, but, like... Everybody has, has, an, it has influences. So, like, is it not kind of good that, like, you know, the, the devs are paying attention to what's going on in the pro scene? And, mm -hmm. you know, asking people who play the game more than anybody else, like, what's what's good or bad. Uh, we've talked m multiple times about the other side of that, about how, you know, you know what what makes a, the game better for the pro scene does not necessarily make it better for the ranked mm -hmm. experience. Right. Uh, but then I think we've also seen the opposite of that, because, you know, a few episodes ago, I remember, like, bitching about a topic and then being like, oh, wait, this kind of seems like a better change for the ranked scene. So... I have to now. Yeah, what was that topic? I remember you saying yeah. that, but I can't remember. We were, what it was I think about. it was like in the big patch when we were talking about cert, like a nerf to a certain character. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it seems like, well, just from at least that instance, it's not only the pro scene that they're talking about or that mm -hmm. they're paying attention to. But I think that the fact that they are involved in this pro scene is probably a good sign for being involved in the general community opinion as well. Sure. Yeah, I think that. I think that uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is to do something that I've done many times on this podcast, which is to compare Valorant and the way they do things positively to Escape from Tarkov, where Tarkov has famously had several, many decisions that seem like they were driven primarily by the company listening to streamers at the expense of the common player. Um, however, what the, the big thing is that with Tarkov, you know, if you play the game, you know, dozens upon dozens of hours in a, in a short time span because you're streaming, like, the game, you experience the game so differently than the common player. Whereas, like, for Valorant, you know, the pros are getting the same experience as we are in Ranked in terms of the nuts and bolts of what's happening, even though, you know, obviously there's a whole different level of play that you get. They're just so like fucking better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. And I think that because of that, the, you know, the pro scene and the ranked scene are very, are intertwined in Valorant that they're important to each other. And so I think Valorant has tried to strike a balance and I, I would tentatively say that I think they've done a pretty good job, that it is important to get pros opinions and to be able to push back on them at times. But, you know, pros do have some valuable things to say. Um, you know, I'm still mad about the, the jet nerf and the shorty nerf, which I think were, you know, largely driven by, uh, pros whining um, and not so much the average ranked player. 
Uh, so I think they messed up in that regard to a bit. But in general, over the course of the game, I think they've done a solid job. Yeah, I mean, it, it is really tough to also, when you look at like, okay, the last time I looked at the rank distribution, um, I think if you're in plat one, you're better than 70% of the player base. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's probably not exactly true due to, you know, people who play on Smurfs or alternate accounts that all, are just out, like, sitting at a low yeah. rank versus, like, oh, like, is this counting everybody that, like, has played a game and therefore has a rank, even though they're not actively playing? Like, I would, yes. I would assume that it, I would assume that it counts everybody who's played in the act where the data is collected. Right, right. Um, not like yeah, inactive so accounts. Anybody that's playing in Elo in that act, yeah, so you yeah. have to have played, you know, at least one game in the act and at least five games in the episode. Sure, sure. But like, let's take, yeah. like, let's take like Kevin for example, right? Like, if he actually. He's not played. ranked, though. I know, I'm saying, but if he played in a given act to, like, get a rank shown, that would most likely not be representative of what his actual rank is, because he just hasn't played enough to, like, get his rank to sure. what it should be. Um, because, mechanically speaking, he used to be really fucking good at CS. Presumably, he'd be higher than whatever fucking silver or bronze rank they put him in. Um, uh, but, yeah, okay, at any rate, like... Just looking at the straight ranks, like if you're in plat, I believe you're better than seventy percent of the player base. Um, obviously, as we just went over, there caveats to that. Um, and then they talked about how Sage just dramatically overperforms at low levels. It's about sixty-eight um, percent, so I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so obviously they have to balance Sage around that; otherwise, she'd just be outright broken. Um, for those low elo players, but then, as we know, the sage very rarely gets play at the pro level, and oftentimes, like we saw her being played a lot on on icebox, and that's just because that was the only fucking way you could get a goddamn spike down on B. Um, and then was also useful for getting spike down on A, and like that's pretty much the only reason people played her, and like she used to see a bunch of play on split to just wall off mid. But we've seen teams not play Sage for that purpose, at least this last season from pro play, from pro play perspective. And so you have an agent who is clearly undertuned at the pro scene, especially when I would argue probably a worse heel than Sky has built into her kit. When Sky's just yeah, yeah. a better agent, and number two, um... definitely after the uh, the self heal nerf, because the whole thing with Sage is like, well, but but Sage can heal herself, mm-hmm. but <laughs> for one fucking, less than yeah. one Vandal bullet, yeah, 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 for fucking nothing now over yeah. the course of like half the fucking round, yeah. um, <laughs> and so yeah, it, and like that's her ability that's on recharge. It's like, oh, I can heal one person back to full, but Sky can heal four people back to full. Right. Um, and yeah, obviously you can't fucking heal yourself. Uh, as, well, you can technically heal yourself, but not a valuable amount. And so, like, yeah, it, it seems like un- Sage almost has, like, the opposite issue that, that Reyna does. Or no, actually, I guess it's kind of the same issue that Reyna does. In that, like, it's yeah, really hard. Yeah, pro, but fine at, fine at the rank level. Right? Yeah, 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 oh, exactly. Fine, um, yeah, uh, forced to be reckoned with at the rank level. Right. Um, yeah. And so clearly with 
the more recent Sage nerfs, I'm talking about the last year, they're they're obviously putting some thought process into, okay, like, this is a balance change definitively geared towards the lower ELO compared to, uh, like, the pro ELO. Um, in which case, yeah, like, it, it's a really hard game to, like, balance stuff around that, right? Like, and I'd say most games that have a professional scene kind of have this issue in which it's not just, like, like, it's not fucking chess. There's a mechanical skill gap to this. Um, and so heals are just so much less valuable when you're fucking yeah. clicking heads. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the developers of chess have done a really great job of balancing for, for <laughs> yeah. the pro and casual scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the recent patch notes were really something that was universally acclaimed uh, <laughs> for chess. I'm sure chess has, like, rules updates at some point i feel like there has haven't been any i mean uh, when was on passant invented I, that's that's what i was gonna say like <laughs> i believe that on passant went from being like a niche rule that some people use to like codified in the game at some point i want to say like mid 1900s was would be my spitball idea but i don't believe there have been any changes to the rules of chess right. in the last several decades the extent of my chess knowledge um extends to uh the queen's gambit and not mm-hmm. passed I'm gonna... And that is not the actual move of the Queen's Gambit. That is the Netflix show, <laughs> the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Do you know the, the, opening you know the Queen's whatever. Gambit opening? No, fuck no. Okay. <laughs> I certainly don't. Yeah, Chase, you and I should play chess because I know the, I uh, know that it is an maybe. opening. Okay. Yeah. Um, but really, only from the show. Do you know what a gambit is in chess? No, no idea. Okay. I, I do know that. If I mm. believe, let me see. Let me see if I got it right. Okay. My, my understanding of a gambit is when you're. Um, basically offering a piece that can be taken by the enemy, but for a significant reward on, on your uh, end. Yeah. It's when you give up that, that, yeah, I'd say that's, that's not the literal word for word, but yes, you, you've got mm-hmm. the idea. It's you give up a piece in the opening or you give up material in the opening in order to seek some compensation later down. Most so you gambits, give up your, you give up your link to a Russian oligarch to become M3C. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There and then get the that riot. Not a successful game. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, basically, you're, you're looking for a positional advantage in exchange for material. Um, okay, we've gotten very sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> This is now a chess podcast where two of the three people know almost nothing. Okay, but basically, yeah, I I just wanted to, like, talk about how, like, because there is such, like, a skill difference from, like, the low to high ELOs that, like, I I don't really know what the right ratio of Riot should, the devs should just, like, get information from, like, popular streamers who are probably in the upper ranks being, like, immortal and radiant, because who the fuck wants to watch me play Valorant when I'm fucking, when I suck? Um, and pros is just, like, because then you rarely get feedback from the low ELO players. People who are in low ELO probably not posting on or, like, ranting about stuff all that much on social media, being, like, Reddit or Twitter or whatever. Um, and so I feel like there's, like, a feedback difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is, but, like, 
from the dev's perspective, they could be just be like, well, skill diff, right? Like the people that are good are playing our game the way that it's being played. Like they're going to have a better insight into like how the actual mechanics of the game work. Mm -hmm. People who like are low rank don't actually understand how the game is to be played. Therefore, how can we even trust their feedback? Yeah, I'm, I thankfully, I, I don't think they do that. I, th I think they do a good job of also incorporating in their data from the average, the common mm. man. Most of the time, like I said, I'm still... I mean, yeah, averaged out, it makes sense. Okay, I guess, right. and also, like, just for the sake of this, when I'm saying, like, high elo versus low elo, I'm kind of saying, like, immortal up is, like, one feedback group, and then under immortal would be, like, another feedback group. Right, and I think a lot of people on Reddit view it that way, which I think is honestly pretty silly. Like, I, like I think it's, I think it's important to recognize, like, you know, mid elo being, like, honestly, I think, I think it low elo to me is iron through silver. Mid is uh, gold through diamond. diamond. Yeah, yeah, and then high is. I would, I would throw ascendant in there as mm -hmm. well, just I because, would, especially yeah. around rank resets, you have immortal yeah. players dropping to ascendant. So, like, if you're an ascendant player, like, you know, you're you're bumping shoulders with those guys, even if you're mm -hmm. not quite there yet. High elo, yeah, I'd say ascendant one would be high elo, but that could just be a, uh, you know, yeah, bias from where we are because that's way <laughs> higher than I could ever. Well, yeah, to I be. mean, right, right. The reason why I look at it that way is because, like, it's you know, having experience playing in, uh, you know, the lower to mid ranks, um, when you see people who are, you know, bronze and silvers, you just see a lot more fundamental misunderstandings of how the game is supposed to be played in terms of just, you know, people in that rank typically have some major issues with the, you know, their game sense or their aim or whatever. Whereas I feel like in, when you get to like gold plat, you know, diamond, now you're getting into the territory where you're either really good at one thing, like most notably aim, or you're pretty well-rounded. You don't have any huge flaws in your game and there's just some inconsistency and lack of, you know, pop-off potential to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Or lack of like you know certain more in depth understanding you know right like right talking yeah. about like rotations and how the other team is playing and where people mm -hmm. might be and timings like that's you know I feel like when you start paying attention to all of that stuff then you're like that's more of like the high elo rank of things mm -hmm. yeah I mean also looking at this graph now that I looked up to confirm Cass's seventy percent stat um, this is from September twenty twenty three which is current month as of recording but will not be as of posting um, yeah. <laughs> like they've done quite a bit to uh to help the curve interesting like you want to send me this link chase i'm curious to take a look at yeah this. to smooth the curve of of the rank distribution it's uh i mean if you remember in the hospitals you really got to flatten the curve here <laughs> well i mean if you remember a, a while ago like silver was fucking nuts of how many like the percentage of people that were in silver compared to the other ranks it's just like everybody was in silver at one point yeah um whereas like now it's it's a like silver still the plurality which i believe it should be yeah um but yeah it's a much smoother curve which i guess goes to show that uh that riot is doing well with their um ranking strategies mm -hmm. of, of putting people where they're supposed to be according to whatever curve they want to show right? right but i think that it's probably best to have a a curve that's weighted toward the the lower ranks mm -hmm. what, what yeah. do they call that uh like um 
like right tailed or something yeah like, like right... left or right tailed i i haven't taken stats in way too long <laughs> well i know the the direction is in which the tail is going mm-hmm. um so it's right something right like it's not right tailed but something like that yeah, 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 yeah stats yeah. was a few years ago for me but um yeah i was, I was also somewhat unrelated but i'm also realizing just thinking about this this is you. one of the relatively rare times where we're all in the same rank i believe where we're all in gold we're all right? in gold uh i'm like. actually back in plot okay well we were we were all in gold for a while there mm-hmm. okay well never mind then but yeah <laughs> fuck when did cast start winning again Dude, I like okay. Here, here's the thing: is like I just won like one game, and then got back <laughs> to black. It's like I was in like yeah. I was at like the upper end of gold three for just like a while, not like just going up and down like one 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 one, and not really yeah. going anywhere elo wise. Um, well, maybe I was going somewhere elo wise, just nowhere rank wise. Um, and then yeah, I just won two games in a row. That was all I really needed. There you go. I got 11 RR. It was a pitiful game on my part. Yeah. (laughs) It was actually actually fucking tough. It was an abysmal game on my part, but hey, like, I ranked up, so. (laughs) I did. Congratulations. Yeah. I did dick all to win that game. In fact, I did my damnedest to lose it, and um, I didn't do that successfully, so. Yeah. All right. Well, the next thing I wanted to cover is. Okay, and I think, uh, let me just lay it out first, and then I'll give my opinion on the matter. Uh, okay, so it has to do with Shazam talking about a a change in meta in the pro scene, um, because he was talking about how when Valorant as a game first came out, that like compared to CS, it was a lot less mechanically difficult, and therefore you didn't really want to be taking 50s. Or, like, 50-50 gunfights. Uh, like, you always wanted to have either, like, a flash or a stun or a suck or something to give you an outright advantage in, in every gunfight. Um, and how, like, I, him IGLing was often planned on, hey, like, we're pushing this area or we found someone is here. Like, what utility can we get such that someone can can take this duel and have an advantage in this duel? Um and then he goes on to say that at a certain point, teams got so good at util barraging on execs um, and just like mm-hmm. just flushing you out of areas in which like just creating gunfights in which like you as a player never stand a chance because of the amount of util being tossed at you. And therefore, um, at a certain point, it became once again like more ad or like it, it, it's worth it to to search for these these fifty fifty gunfights again um, instead of avoiding them at all costs. And, and it became like, hey, like we like we we do want to try and poke and prod and find a fifty fifty gunfight and try and win that, so that we can then we just have more utility, we're a man up, we can then util barrage the next guy we find and try to get another pick and just snowball the round that way. Um, and I think it's really interesting because, like, from a rank perspective, we're clearly not good at that aspect of, uh, like, systematically 
putting flushing util, people yeah, flushing people util out, area, exactly, yeah. putting util in an area to get people into the appropriate gunfights, um, and therefore, like, what is, like, from a ranked perspective, like, what's the right mix of searching for 50-50s versus avoiding them? Um, and obviously, like, there is a gun difference that goes into play there, right? Like, if you can get onto an angle with an op, you should probably still do that, regardless of situation. Um, if you know that you've got a good, like, if you've got Phantom or Vandal at long range and you know that they don't have the the economy to get one of those weapons, it's like, hey, like, we should be looking for these, uh, like, raw aim duels on longer ranges because we've got the gun advantage. But, like, outside of that, like, assuming it's a full buy versus full buy, like, where do you find the right ratio of when to be searching for those those 1v1s and be poking and prodding around the map for that and when to when to just be calling for utility to get you into like to get you into those gunfights that's a that's an interesting uh way of looking at it of seeing how the game's evolution has sort of caused that back and forth in strategy yeah i mean you can definitely see that looking at the pro scene like who was on top a couple of years ago or a year ago being like, like I said, FPX, which was like a very slow methodical play style, which, you know, we talked about fucking hating watching FPX when they were on their, their hot streak because it was boring, right? It was very boring Valorant in, in our opinion, you know, it was, it was very good Valorant of like, okay, well we see that the person's here. What can we do to strategically get an advantage in this situation? Whereas, most recently, you have teams like PRX and EDG um, like getting a lot of success by, you know, subverting that. Mm -hmm. Right? You have, you have a, lot of, uh, a lot of success by just, okay, well, you know, we're not going to be, like, if we, if we wait and let them use their utility to poke and prod us out, we're going to fucking lose this because they're going to be taking advantageous gunfights. So let's just catch them off guard. And so I, that's what, like, you know, FaZe was trying to do back in the day, but I guess it wasn't the correct meta for them um, to, like, have that. Or maybe they just didn't have cracked enough people to do that. But Probably um, a combination. You know, Baby Bay is Baby Bay, so maybe, I, maybe it was more of a meta thing or, like, a, a you know, overall strategy thing. But yeah, it's interesting to see that, that like that changes. Hunter, you got anything or? Yeah, I don't know. I was I was thinking about it. Um, I'm breaking my desk down. I was standing and then I got tired of standing. But there we go. Now I'm sitting. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. That, it actually just looked like you're fucking jerking off in the corner. Hunter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was like, you know, his podcast. arm was in the screen and his camera was shaking. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just gotta get one out real quick. <laughs> no, I mean, I, was, I really like the way Chase took the, the topic of that, uh, you know, I'm thankful that this happened because uh, the when I think of that, you know, slow style of Valorant of uh, not, you know, taking the 50-50s, not being aggressive, just, you know, being very fundamentally sound. I think of Fnatic, not so much 2023 Fnatic, but like 2021 and 2022 Fnatic. Um, 
which was just so dull. Um, and I'd much rather see EDG and PRX and um, evil geniuses, like Chase was saying, that I'm glad that it's come back around the way it has. And I think it makes sense that his teams uh, get better with the util. It's going to you know, force you to take bigger risks to counteract that and basically put the other team on the back foot where they can't get you in the position they want you to put the util on you. So I'm, I'm all for it, I guess, is where, is where I'm coming down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from ranked, that's great. That's what we've always been doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the meta's really just coming in for the low elos right now. Just, uh, just fucking run and gun. And that's what the... Uh... Yeah. Well, I, I will say that I think that part of this could just be our evolution as players, but I think that we've, us three have more uh, decisively, more definitively over the past, you know, several months been focused on in ranked games, you know, aggressively taking space, especially from the defensive side of being like, oh, let's push this together. Whereas I think we probably would be, you know, if you, if you wind the clock back two years, would be like, oh, on defense pushing, that's kind of risky. We probably shouldn't bother with that. So that's only one component of this. But like, I think that is one thing that's changed about our game, partially related to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. You're you're definitely a little bit more. Uh... What let, let's do something wacky? Oh yeah, uh, than yeah. I than I am. Hunter's I think in our premiere just, game that yeah. like if if I had a dollar for every time Hunter says let's do something wacky as mm-hmm. IGL. Um. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is that oftentimes I will say the thing, and then I'll be like, I don't think I basically I'll say let's do something wacky. I'll think of a plan, and then I'll be like, I can't get people on board with this, and then I end the actual <laughs> strat I call is very basic. Like the one one round in particular, I remember we were on offense. And what I wanted us to do is all go with the Viper wall through lamps and plant for a CT on a site of mine. And I was like, I don't think I, I don't think the team is with me on this. I really want to call <laughs> I mean, it. But I, I, I think that would have worked yeah. better than I, I mean, I don't know if this is the same round, but the call was uh, let, let's go through short, cut across on an eco yeah. and plant for showers. Yeah. And we yeah. all just died on the on like crossing over to triple. We we, we also didn't well, have like, anybody's we, showers. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. it, it was tough. It was not well executed right. on mm-hmm. anybody like anybody's no, part. No, it was not. So no. so maybe, like, maybe I should have just stuck with it. If I would have played it out and sent out the you know video and uh, uh, Valorant Valo plant screenshots so that everyone knew that that's what I was thinking, then I would have felt confident in it. But I kind of miss that. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a fuck ton of work on your part. Like, yeah. And you know, we've all been very busy during this premiere season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, it's very fair that you're not doing that, but you know, it was, it was also nice to be like, Oh yeah, let's run this play that Hunter has cooked yeah. up. And we all know beforehand because he made a half an hour long video yeah. explaining all of his plays. Thanks. Thanks. I, I, I'm I, glad I you liked that, it. And yeah, I find that's way too structured. Like, I, no, but is... the thing is, it was way too structured the first time we did it. Yeah. And then it became a lot better because we it was like, oh, we have these plays in our pocket for certain mm-hmm. rounds, but we weren't, like, we realized yeah. that we were too structured and, like, getting too into exactly how Hunter was, had planned it right, out. Right, right. Yeah. But we, we'd, we like, adapted to be like, okay, it's more freeform, but, this, like, if we want to call a strat, like, this is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know, the only strat I, I, that I like calling and then, like, actively going for from, like, more than a just, like, a, hey, where let's... Let's push this area, but then like fall back and go to the other side. Like, 
Spanish Inquisition? Yeah, Spanish Inquisition. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that one's just like, that was just kind of fun. But, like, even then, it often falls apart. Like, as they're pushing through oh, the yeah. garage, we'll get, like, three picks on C, and it's like, well, fucking C's free. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we die. explained Spanish Inquisition on the podcast before, but this is a Haven attack yeah. strategy where uh, on an eco round, you push through garage, up through garage window, around through CT spawn to A and plant yeah. A. Like it, it's like a full around the world strategy. Um, yes, yes. And it definitely incentivizes the only like avenue that doesn't lead to literally a site. Yes, and, and yeah. it's exploiting a lot of like close range duels. Right, right, and also just exploiting the fact that people are not used to seeing it, and so they're mm-hmm. unlikely to be as coordinated as you might they might like in responding to it. Well, oftentimes, like yeah, because like we'll burst through garage um maybe get the pick on the guy on c or ct or, or whatever right and they'll be like oh like they're like they're coming see they're coming see we need help and like we'll catch somebody right. running like a knife out through spawn and even though we only have classics or like frenzies or ghosts or whatever it's like well you're staring down four of us with your knife out like you're you're gonna die yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and then even if there's someone on b who we, who we didn't take the fight with like mm-hmm. if they're calming to their team they're in our spawn. It's like, well, what do you do with that? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you like, mean uh... they're in our spawn? <laughs> yeah. All, all five right. of them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, mean, it's a fun Sometimes there's a judge in garage and you would just all die. So, yeah. like, oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not a, like, guaranteed strat mm-hmm. by any means, but... <laughs> yeah. 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 What God, I will say, like... though, back to... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that was, like, the round that I played, um... Uh, or, like, when I was flanking earlier today against that team that we played in the first game, um... I think it was the first game. It might have been the second. For Premier, we ended up playing the same team twice. But, like, crazy. Anyway, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, the, the KJ was in, like, spawn proper. Like, yeah. I was playing, yeah, like, we're right? on defense. Yeah. No, 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 like, it, No, caves. it wasn't even caves. It was, it was like, spawn oh, really? proper. Yeah. And I, I was just like, there? <laughs> I'm like, we're 50 seconds into the round. Like, I was actually yeah. just flabbergasted. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I coming from, like, uh, the, watching a lot of Wahoojin vids, you know, it would be like a, y- that's not on you. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't right. need to clear every angle. Yeah. That's a weird spot to be not on you. Right. Oh, actually, okay, hold on. That's a perfect transition. You shouldn't trans- clear that, yeah. you know. Okay, yeah. that's a perfect transition to a question I had. Okay. Who the fuck clears rad angles when you're pushing onto site? Well, are you? Is that is a, like an actual question? Yeah, is, is that, it is entry that a, like, or second man clears? Well, it depends it's on what the situation is. Because I would argue it should be the second person through. Reason being, the first person, in my opinion, the first person should go and take all the duels with the angles you expect people to be at. And clear as many of those as possible as they're pushing onto site. Now, for reference, I'm going to use bind because we just played bind. And let's say we're pushing up a short. Um, I'm going to assume we haven't had that area of the map. Say we're rotating. We, we rotated from B after getting stalled out there. Okay. That a short cubby. First player clears a short. Does cubby. first player player clear that? Because to for the first player to clear that, they have to give up clearing um like they have to pull their crosshair away from watching u-haul or heaven or triple um 
you're on that specific one. You're on an angle where the second player in can already have their crosshair on, uh, on you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not a good example to list here. The, the, the good example here is not that first cubby because first player should clear that. Mm. I don't think first player should clear close box on the right. Okay. Yeah, I would yeah, agree I, with that. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah, that might I think be the first player should because I think the first player, you know, clears heaven and and dice and you know has an eye on you all mm-hmm. the whole time, and then after they do all that, now they can fully dedicate their uh, attention to quickly clearing the rat angle. Yeah. And okay. then if someone happens to swing from you all right as they do that, you know that's an unlucky timing. But the chance of that happening is not very high. But the. Okay, perhaps I picked the wrong site avenue to be talking about here. But my thought process here is the first person going through is trying to clear as many of the common angles as possible. And if they die to that rat angle, assuming the other whoever was in that rat angle didn't trigger discipline them, right? Yeah. The rest of your team following you up knows exactly where they are and they can get that trade. Which, congratulations, you did your job as the entry. It relies on a couple of things, though. Okay. It relies on on one, one and players one and two being close enough to each other, which is a both person problem. Sure, right. So oftentimes that first player in is not paying attention to how close the next person is behind behind them. But I agree if you were saying, okay, you need to be close enough behind me that I'm tradable. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. You that that should be. Like that, I feel like that's how it should work if you're disentering in without, say, uh, a movement ability. But my reason being here is this: the first person can go and watch the main angles and try to take uh, try to take duels on the main angles. The second person should clear that rat angle to not get trigger disciplined in that scenario, um, in which they get like three or sometimes even just like two or whatever. But like they should be clearing that in case somebody is going for the trigger discipline. And like, if the first person dies to that, then you know where then you know where they are. So like, and you're close enough to trade them. That's yeah. why I think that I agree with that because if oh if they God. are trigger disciplining, you're hard clearing. Yeah, as the second person in, and if they're not, then they're easily tradable. Right. Like, I, I guess another way to look at this is like, if you're going up, unless Haven, it's a judge. Yeah, like Haven A Long, right? Like, if I'm gonna entry onto site from Haven A Long, like, I'm probably not going to be able to effectively clear close right in that little cubby. I'm probably worried about back sight. I believe the call out is goose. Uh, Like left as you enter Haven, that isn't like left as you enter Haven a site that is not literally sewers or like the sewers cubby. You know what I'm talking about? Like talking about next to the boxes. Yeah. Kind of like not all the way in the corner towards graffiti, but like closer towards like the attacker side. Like, it's called, ah, fuck me, I, I don't know what the exact call But, like, basically, I feel like you're looking at all different angles that aren't the fucking close right cubby, and if you have to swing to clear the close right cubby, like, your crosshair is watching literally none of the other main angles. And so you would hope that the second player behind you clears that. Um, yeah, no, I could not disagree more with both of you. I've been biding my time waiting to unload here, but, like, I think that the way that this should go is, is quite straightforward, which is that the first person in, they check... First, the common angles in all of these rat spots, like in basically any rat spot anywhere in the game, just by nature of it being a rat spot that's tucked away, you have the opportunity to peek the main angle first and then peek the rat spot. And when you're peeking the rat spot, that's the point where the second player is now, you know, takes over that initial common angle. 
so that you peek it first. There's no one there. The second person starts peeking it, and then the first person clears the rat angle. Like, the whole thing that if you're saying, oh, well, the first person is just going to say, oh, it's up to the second person, you're giving up a free kill, potentially. Because in most cases, the person is either not going to trigger... In many cases, the person is not going to trigger discipline. And then if they do trigger discipline, you know, that's a bit of a different story. But, like, oftentimes, what's going to happen is if your first person doesn't clear that, the person in the right angle is going to get the one kill. And then this idea that the second person is going to be able to immediately trade them, I just don't necessarily even agree with that. Because, you know, likely if this is a fast execute, you know, or even if it's not, by nature of the first person being there, the rat knows there's likely someone following behind. So the rat is ready for the swing just as much as you are to swing on them. I would say that's still a 50-50 at that point. So you're giving up the first person, and then now it's a 50-50 with person number two. Um, So I I fully think it's... I think person number two should have been closer then. Well, if person number two two is closer, then the problem is they might not actually be able to uh, clear it. It, Like, it might be an easy 2K spray down for the rat. No, okay, but person number two should be planning on clearing that the entire way through. And I think what your idea here is, is person number one clears literally every single rat angle and then pushes onto site, and then as they're giving up the common angle for person number two to pick up, like, I, I feel like that's way too much communication that you need to have, like, with whoever's following you up, which is just, like, an almost it's unreasonable expectation. Yeah. It's like the entry player already has the highest number of angles to clear. Why Why would we, or like, why would they also then need to clear I mean, the rat angles? Because you clear the common angles first, and then you do the rat angles. It's not like these are all things but you why, have to okay, do at but the why, same time. Why open yourself up to get timing? Because you're because not the second person to... is there to aid you. Yeah, because that, the second person has their crosshair on the common angle. Right, so I, like I, if you get timing, the second person gets the kill. Like, here's, here's the thing. Like, I, I was just doing this on bind as Yoru. When I'm leading the charge through, you know, bind a short, mm-hmm. I check cubby. Well, for, sorry. Okay, first, I'm, I have my crosshair down, you know, lamps to see if someone's mm-hmm. swinging out of there. And then when I'm about to get to cubby, I fully swing cubby. And then from there, I swing out onto site, clearing heaven and dice. Mm-hmm. And then, while, you know, once yeah, that's yeah. all clear, then I fully commit to the swing to clear close right. I, I, I agree and that the whole time I'm counting on the second person to hold yeah, either yeah. heaven or dice okay. or lance, one I, of those. I agree so that, is that bind was a bad example yeah. because I also clear that left copy. You know, um, okay, bind, and no, and not even that. I, I agree that like bind a short is a bad example because I think yeah. it, that is the proper way to play it the way that Hunter is describing. Mm-hmm. Because well, yeah. because you can peak all of the common angles before the cubby or before like the rat angle. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree with you on bind was an awful example for me to bring up because, well, I, I would have used a Haven except I got incredibly confused when you were talking about the specific locations and didn't feel mm-hmm. like I understood what angle you were referring to. Okay. So I couldn't really use that example. Um, I think, yeah. I think this is, makes more sense when you're talking like what Cass said earlier on a, like like rotate back of where you don't there could be one to two players on site but they could have all rotated over you don't really know so it's like it's almost like um rat angles are more common than standard angles in this situation that could be someone could be pushed up and talked yeah so like at, at this point it's like the people who are still on site are likely pushed up or like, or like, we're waiting to swing off or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And so in, in that case, I think that, you know, somebody quickly clearing the, the common angles and then player two swinging on the, uh, um, like on the rat angle makes a lot of sense because you might catch that player a little bit more off guard or somebody that was waiting to trigger discipline. Because in this case, like they're probably waiting for a uh, team to rotate back over. They're calming. Hey, they're on me. They're on me. Most of the team has rotated to the other site. Um, you're tucked in a rat angle. You know, you want, you want to try to do as much value as possible or delay as possible. If you do, if you kill the first person that comes into your view, you're you're most likely to get traded immediately, unless you're Rana. Well, I I think one thing that we're like I I see what you're saying there, but then there's another aspect to it that kind of goes back in the other direction in my way of looking at it, which is that we're considering you know trigger discipline being a situation where if the rat is doing that, then it might be better for the second person to deal with them. But I, I think something that's worth considering is also the complete opposite, where the rat you know, it fires on the first person they see and, you know, let's assume they don't have a judge at optimal range. They don't immediately kill the first person because that does happen a fair amount of times in ranked games and in pro games. No, where... no, I always want to tap that person. Come on. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you. You are the perfect yeah. rat chase. Don't worry. <laughs> but like yeah, in that scenario, it's far better to have the first person, you know, getting whiffed on or, you know, being DPS'd because they're presumably still going forward as this is happening, as they're clearing, and then that, you know, widens, or they've gone forward to a certain extent, and then that, you know, creates space and creates a window for the second person to swing. Okay, I I feel like the problem is with, like, these rat angles is, like, let's say say I'm entering, right? And let's let's say I'm a a phoenix entering here. Yeah, I just have clear. movement, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not including like blast okay. packing yeah, or yeah, raise yeah, yeah, yeah. dashing or anything. Right, right, right. Raise dashing, <laughs> dashing or anything because like that obviously changes the okay. situation. Okay, well, in fact, let's take yeah. this a step back and just say that like no one's got any fucking utility left. Okay. Yeah. Um. If I clear, if I push up and I try to clear this rat angle, and I die to this rat angle as I'm trying to clear it, as entry, I have cleared fucking nothing. At all. All right. Like I like uh, I I died on the close rat angle. Um now somebody else right? needs to clear literally the entirety of site. But if I push up and I try to actively clear the entire rest of site or as many angles as I possibly can, and while I'm clearing all those other angles, I die to the rat angle. I've still cleared call it four or five angles. Whereas the other way, if I do try to immediately swing and take the duel against the rat angle, assuming I'm hard clearing it. Like, sure, obviously, optimal scenario, you go for that hard clear and you kill them, and you can then continue on and clear the rest of the site. But if I die taking that gunfight, like, nobody's cleared jack shit on site. Whereas if I then go, if I'm actively looking to clear every angle on site and I die to that, like, hopefully the person behind me is within close enough space and easily get that trade. Or... They then, we now know where somebody is. They're kind of isolated in this. By nature of it being a rat angle, you're probably stuck there. uh, And there's no real escape. And then, even if you weren't quite at the right spacing to be able to insta-trade them, hopefully you could then, like, like double swing them and and get a kill. Um, And and clean up that kill. But, like, 
if you actively try to hard clear every single angle, I think that takes you way too long as you're entering and trying to push up and take as much space as possible. I think it's actually counterproductive. Like, obviously clear some of them, but, like, I think if you go to the extent to clear every single rat angle as you're pushing up, you're just not pushing up fast enough and taking space fast enough for the rest of your team to capitalize on. Well, just to be clear, when I'm, when I'm talking about clearing angles, I'm not saying, you know, especially in this case of a rotate where you're all stomping through together, I don't think you need to, like, stop, you know, turn 90 degrees and then, like, take one step to clear. Like, if you if you move your crosshair, if you fully flick your crosshair over to see if anyone could be in that corner while you're full running, I think sometimes, particularly when you're rotating, like, that's enough. And if you're doing that, you're not really slowing down all that much. But I wanted to go back to something that you were saying there in terms of like, oh, well, if the first person dies, then they haven't cleared shit. Sure, but I think that the, the thing is, if we're going to assume that the first person to encounter the rat is dying in this scenario, then if the second person to encounter the rat dies, I think you're not considering how much that creates chaos, where now the person who's out in front knows that, you know, they're hearing all the comms, they hear the sounds, they know that there's a rat behind them, and... You know, hopefully if you have a really good, if you have really good team coordination, you just have faith that your team knows where that person is and is going to kill them. Even in that best case scenario where you're not really distracted by it all that much. Now there's a huge gap where your person in front now does not have anyone behind them to trade. And one of the most common things in both pro pro and ranked teamwork is, hey, I'm going to rat you play off my contact to where the rat, you know, initiates contact and then someone else swings. And in this scenario, person number two dies. Now person number one is isolated with the person who is swinging off that contact. Whereas if person number one dies and you kill the rat, then now your multiple people are pushing on to deal with the person who is swinging off of contact. Okay, I guess the... Okay, I, I, I see what you're saying, but yeah. I feel like the likelihood, assuming person number two is properly hard clearing. Yeah. I feel like they've got a pretty good chance of winning that gunfight to begin with. And second, let's say you are trigger disciplining player number one. Okay. There's a zero fucking percent chance your crosshair isn't on that person. Like if is you're it gonna, on if, the player one? Isn't on, isn't on, if you're going to trigger discipline somebody, right? Yeah. There's almost a zero percent chance that you're not tracking them with your crosshair as you're waiting for what? more people to come through the angle, I feel like. No, well, that's the I opposite was just thinking of what about you this do. too, because th that's a terrible way to play trigger discipline. Yeah, that's the absolute worst possible way to play trigger discipline. Because I, I was literally yeah. just thinking about how many times have I tried to play di trigger discipline, and then the second person clears you, and you go, "What the fuck? Why are yeah. you clearing me?" <laughs> right? Like that's yeah, every yeah, yeah. fucking time that you die playing trigger discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Yo, the first person walked by. Why is the second person clearing me? Which is what you're trying to say is, mm -hmm. is the better way to do it anyway. But right. Um. The in that case, the way that you should be playing trigger discipline is first person walks by me, I realize that. Okay, fuck them. Hold the angle again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is what, like, yeah, yeah. I, I then, agree that's what and, you should be and doing. And then, no, right. I'm saying, what? realistically, kill who player the fuck number does that? Two. I think kill, like, I'm not, I'm not going to get greedy, and I'm not going to go for, for, like, three, four trigger discipline kills. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for two. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So, play... Like, whoever walks through this angle next, I am killing them. I'm going to catch the first person off guard. I'm going to flick back because I know mm -hmm. where they are and kill them. Okay. But that is seems to be the way to play this trigger discipline scenario. I, I, I would agree yeah. that that's probably the way to play it. But I feel like 
I feel like, okay, oftentimes it's a lot easier to do exactly what you're saying if you hear everybody stomping through. Like, if you yes. hear everybody yeah, running yeah. up and you can just say, oh, yeah, okay, so, like, the first player didn't clear me, like, I hold the angle, the second guy runs through, hopefully I knife out, I get the kill on him, I flip back to the first person. I'm saying um, even, if, even if they're not knife out, yeah, like, yeah. even if but they I, hard I feel clear. like, okay, I feel like the majority of scenarios in which you end up in the... Like, more often than not, when you end up in, like, one of these trigger discipline scenarios, like, you might not be entirely confident that there's a second player coming through the angle. All you know is the first guy didn't clear you. Like, if they're contacting up, they're not making any noise. It's like, you don't know for certainty there's a second player coming up here, too. And, like, when you don't know, I feel like you're, like... And also, just naturally, if somebody walks past you, there's no way you're not tracking the guy who walks past you. No, no, I am, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is probably a problem. Yeah, yeah, that might not be the optimal well, way, but, like, I'm saying, like, just from, like, from just, like, a human nature perspective, it's like, unless you can actively hear that there are multiple people running up behind them, there's, like, no fucking way your crosshair isn't tracking that person as they walk through. There, there's yeah, no I- way. Yeah, I personally think, though, that, like, if if it is a situation where everything is quiet and someone just silently walks past you and doesn't clear you, then you're a lot more likely to not trigger discipline. Because, like, you know, if no one else is following them, then the more time you spend not killing them is more time where they potentially, you know, realize you're there. I feel like if I'm silent and someone silently walks up to me, I'm so much more likely to just pull the trigger immediately than if, obviously, in this situation where there's a herd of elephants and I'm in a corner. Yeah, I mean, I would also agree with that. See, no, I feel like if someone, like, silently walks past me, that's when I'm most likely to go for the trigger discipline play. Interesting. Like... Because if someone's be all sneaky beaky about it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like if someone's if someone's actively like running up through the angle and like let, let's take a phoenix ult here for example, right? Because yeah. with a phoenix ult, you just want to take as much space as you possibly can and get into as many duels as possible. Uh, and there's also kind of well, like, then you're a hundred percent trigger disciplining that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you trigger discipline the phoenix ult, but like, oh god, where exactly was I going with this? I feel like it's. You're you're in the most likely scenario in which if there's one person walking through this given angle, it's like you want to be tracking them in case they do turn around. Because I think the whole idea with the trigger discipline strat is like, I'm kind of banking on the fact that player number two or even three is not clearing me. And so I want to yeah, be which concerned. which is why it's so infuriating when they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, that's right. why you want, like, I feel like your your concern here is, does player number one realize that they didn't clear this angle and therefore turn around to clear it? Or, number two, did they take all the space that they wanted or intended to and therefore turn around to, like, either set up or get tabs with the rest of their team? I don't know. I feel like... I, I mean, feel like you gamble. track, yeah, I feel like you track the first person, and I'm not saying this is ideal or optimal, 
but I feel like almost everybody tracks the first person that comes through that angle. And then if you see player two and three walk past you and not clear you, then it's like, okay, I probably want to kill player two or three first because player number one is the least likely to be able to react to the fact that I killed players two and three. Yes. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, part of this is definitely my own bias because just tracking people is not something that I'm great at. So the longer I'm tracking a single person and not firing, the more anxious I get. So I hate just holding my crosshair on someone's head as they're moving. And also I'm cognizant of the fact of, you know, someone clearing after the initial person. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, if I'm trigger displaying, I always do the opposite of, I keep my, I let the person pass. I like start to track them. And then as soon as I'm like, Oh no, I'm trigger disciplining. I snap right back to the angle. And then as soon as I see some, the second person come through, if there's, Like, if their gun is, you know, perpendicular to me, they're not looking to me at all, then maybe I'll wait. But if there's even a hint of maybe they're clearing me, get the kill on them and then kill the first person. Okay, sorry. I I, I like this conversation because I'm, I'm like, learning something about my gameplay, which is, I I think that I'll probably often 50-50, which is the worst of both worlds, or, like, split the two. Interesting. Oh, we should never do that. It's terrible. I don't actually know what I do in game because I like I can't think of any like clips where I've done this. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know if I am tracking or if I'm holding the angle. But I I know in my mind now that I should be holding the angle. Mm. Okay, and the reason I okay, this is where I initially wanted to get to and then kind of lost my train of thought. But the part of the risk when you're trigger disciplining somebody is if they leave your field of view as they push past you. Yes. That is the worst possible thing that could happen. Or alternatively, you know that they're pushing into an angle in which they could take a fair gunfight with one of your one teammates. Of your, yeah, one of your teammates. But it's yeah. like or hopefully, yeah, your teammate would be slightly advantaged in that they can literally see the guy on the minimap, and you should have likely they'd be going disadvantaged there. though. You may you maybe should have calmed, but like oftentimes what happens is like, fuck! I thought you were holding that angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That, that can <laughs> right. that can happen um, a lot too. But it's like, like I, I I guess the concern here is if this person pushes too far ahead of me before player two or three walks by. I now can't kill them. And I'm now being sandwiched by this person who was on site, potentially, and I don't know where the fuck they are. And, and player three. And player, yeah, player three or player even four. player two if they haven't come through the... If player two hasn't even gotten to the angle yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I feel like you need to be... You need to be ready to kill player one at a moment's notice until you know player two was coming through that angle. Because I mean, you can't let this them is get where I go sight. back to what Hunter's saying is that if it's a silent walk up, I'm much more likely to just kill the person. Like the player one that walks through, if they're silently walking, just kill them and hope that um, the second person either like wasn't close enough behind to like swing immediately, and or I can get that, you know. It's yeah. like or just delay them, right? If it's a silent that like walk up, and I'm in a rat angle. Then I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe me killing player one will 
you know, prevent people from pushing me super quick and then I can get rotates mm. in or whatever. And even if they like, they're like, okay, well, like we need to double swing this. And then they're like double swing, hard, clear me. Like that, that takes enough time for my teammates to rotate to the side or something. Right. Um, but if it's like a, a stomping through, then you're trigger displaying. Yeah. And okay. I, I guess I found a, a site in my mind in which there's a rad angle that works better for this conversation as an example being logs on B-side ascent. If somebody's ratting logs. Because, like, unless you're a jet or a raise, either dashing slash blast packing out, that's a really awkward angle to clear. And you probably have market smoked off. And so I'm not actively having my crosshair on market to begin with. And I'm worried about most likely stairs, highway, and if I'm routing a highway, I'm now worried about anyone who's boathouse or default. And probably also still stairs. Um, it, is, it is very unlikely, I think, that you would be in a position to be able to clear logs effectively if you're the entry and you don't have a movement ability. Because obviously when I, when I dash to... You can clear whatever. Yeah, yeah. When, when yeah. I dash, I just swing my crosshair back and forth, and I clear both lane and logs as I'm dashing in. I'm assuming Rays can do a very similar thing when she's blast packing. I don't fucking play Rays. Um, but if you're anybody else, like that's a very awkward angle to clear. If somebody happens to be there in the off chance that they are. Yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree with you that that's a bit of a different scenario. Uh, I think that's somewhat unusual because the big difference from the, that versus the other angles mm-hmm. we've been discussing is the other angles, it's more or less a 90 degrees between, uh, very roughly, between, you know, the common angle and mm-hmm. the rat angle versus that it's really 180 degrees. And, yeah, in that scenario... Yeah, I would tend to agree that it's not you're the person who's going highway first, their responsibility to then turn around at the moment where they could be peaked from logs and get that kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is what I was thinking about like a while ago, and I, I haven't brought it up yet. But um, I think that Cass's original argument works a lot better if you're talking about 50-50 angles, where one angle is more common than the other. Um, And the example that I was thinking of yeah. was pushing C long on Haven. Um, Yeah. Where you clear left versus right as you get through the choke. Where you clear left versus right. And you should probably clear right to garage as the first person in. Oh, 100%. And logs. You clear clear logs, right, like right side garage. And then if somebody's left, that's person like player two's job to clear. Yeah. Or trade or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like if there's a 50-50 angle here, you clear the most common one as player one, and then player two's job is to clear the less common one. Yeah. Um, right? Because yeah, I'm, like, I'm in full agreement yeah. on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a much more cut and dry argument, but it like illustrates the same point. Yeah. As, I, as I've been thinking about this, as we get into, you know, the nuances of mm-hmm. when you do one versus the other, I, I think the key thing is that. The reason why I, I like the uh, first person being the, the clearer of rad angles is that it just is a lot more straightforward. You don't need any special communication for it. Because one of the biggest things is that, like, if you're going into a site with, you know, multiple different paths that people are taking, 
and you're not sure where of your team is, is going where. Like one of the scenarios that I actually, that came to mind for me was a time on Breeze this summer, not particularly recently, when me and Cass were entering uh, A-Site Breeze. And um, I want to say this might be even been before Breeze was taken out of the pool. But anyway, regardless, um, I, I basically Cass and I are going to right titty. Cass was first, I was second. Cass didn't clear, you know, the rat spot there. And I saw that Cass didn't clear it, and I did clear it, and someone was there, trigger disciplining, and I got the kill. And, like, you know, that was an ideal usage of the one and then the number two. But, like, the problem is, had I then not, had I not decided to follow Cass, because we didn't really talk about where exactly we were going, mm-hmm. and I decided to go somewhere, somewhere else, and then that rat had just swung out at a different time, now all of a sudden they could potentially really disrupt the round. So, like, I feel like the, the person number two clearing just requires a lot more coordination than, and especially when you get to ranked as well with randos, you know, the, the randos are likely to assume if someone passed an angle, then no one's there. So I feel like having the person number one be the clearer is just an easier rule. And then, you know, I definitely see the advantages of what you're saying of, like, I think it's fine if you designate, if you work it out beforehand to say, in this scenario, person number two is clearing I just think that you're more often better off having for person number one do that. Okay, I, I, I like that example as well, because I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, if I'm trying to push up and take space right, Teddy, so that we can hopefully get, get plant down, right? Like, maybe maybe I can realistically swing that cubby and clear that, and should I have? Are you talking Probably. about cubby? Are you talking about close right, at, like, coming onto site? Cubby, cubby, full cubby, like along alongside like of right titty. Like where the fucking palm yeah, tree yeah. is. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I could probably clear that safely enough. You can and clear that should. You put you yeah. back to the pyramid. Yeah, but it's it. like... Yeah. Also, it's way... It, it's most likely someone's coming out past yellow or orange or whatever the fucking call it is. I don't... It's been too long since I've played Breeze. Um, and he's looking for a duel with me right yeah. titty. Now, I think the spacing is such that, yeah, I can clear that fucking cubby yeah, I yeah. probably should have. Um, but I guess my argument then, like, also, like, partially comes down to trust on both parties. It's like, you need to trust that player number one is taking the right duels as they're entering and not necessarily right. clearing every angle. And player number two... Like, player number two needs to trust that player number one is going to, is going to be clearing all the common angles and, ta- and trying to look for a gunfight and take space as they move on to site and take face pres- probably as fast as possible uh, before util and teammates and rotates and whatnot can come through. Um, and player number one needs to have faith that player number two is checking complementary angles and not just doubling up crosshairs on the same angle. I yeah, that, I mean, that's also what I was going to say is that, you know, it depends on each site and each, like, execute, but it really, like, comes down to the communication between player one and player two of making sure that you're not lo- peaking the same angle when multiple angles can peak you. Um, Like, yeah. you got to make sure that whoever's, like, it going on to site with you, uh, you don't have differing opinions on which angles you should be clearing. Because either way, I think works of, you know, player one, you know, first taking the, the wide angles and then looking at the the rat ones. But then you're expecting player two 
to be clearing or like to be holding the common angles. Yeah. Whereas, I, or the yeah. other way where, you know, player two is going to clear the, the rat angle while you hold the common angles. Like you just need to have that communication with your second person to be like, you know, Hey, clear, clear, close, right for me. Um, and I'm going to hold or, or the other way around of like, okay, Hey, I'm going to peek close, right. You hold, you hold stairs, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, even if it's not communication explicitly of, Oh, I'm doing this, you're doing that. I, I think what I'm kind of, you know, learning where I'm shifting my opinion as this goes on is that really, I think the responsibility here, assuming there isn't discussion beforehand, it should fall, fall on player two where, you know, player one having the role of entrying, you know, it's their goal to, you know, get as much space and take as much aggressive duels as they can with it not seeming like a total throw. Uh, so, you know, it seems like player one should try to clear as many angles as they can do without compromising their mission of entrying, however they see it. You know, for me, me versus cast, that might be different. I might be happy to clear more angles than cast is. But then player two and three should be, you know, watching what player one does. And if they don't clear an angle you know, just make sure to clear that angle. Like, obviously, it's better if you can discuss it beforehand, but it, I didn't necessarily ever think about it that way, even though I definitely have done it at times, like in the example on Breeze, of like, if you're player two or number three, you should look at what angles your player number one didn't clear and clear those angles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, if, yeah, if, if player one, like, swings to, to clear a close angle, then you can quickly swing to a common angle that they're not right. currently holding. Yeah, yeah, right. The converse as well. Yeah. Because ultimately... I'd like you the know, hunters come over to my train of thought here. Well, I mean, if it's quite that. I feel like uh, we've kind of yeah. all merged can, into a can, singular thought, but, we, like... We can yeah, call yeah. this success on my part. I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can call it that. Well, yeah, what I'm, what I'm explicitly saying, Cass, is that, you know, you, yeah. if I'm player two to you right, and you're right, not right. clearing angles, it makes sense for me to, mm-hmm. you know, clear those rather than trying to bully you into clearing them. And yeah. then conversely, if I'm clearing all the angles, then you can not worry about that and keep mm-hmm. your crosshair downrange, which actually makes a lot of sense because you are, you know, I prefer the closer range duels and you prefer the longer range ones. So that, that works out. Do I? No, Cass prefers closer range duels with an off. Range duels. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, two of us are good at long yeah. range duels. I fucking Except suck at long range duels. Who has like unless I have an off. Yeah, <laughs> and then even then you're like, oh, I'd rather not take the the long range duels. So, well, so you guys who are also not off, good yeah, and yeah, don't yeah. have an off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys should take the, the long range okay, ones. I got in in the game that we played on in both games one and two on bind in the in the premier tournament thing here. I guess it's not really a tournament, just in the premier games we played earlier. I got a lot of value often from Octagon and not looking all the way down long. Mm-hmm. I got Yeah, like so, looking close angle. Yeah. Yeah, like not not necessarily like stupidly close or anything. You're, just, you're talking about yeah. like cross to like TP area. Like Slightly longer than that. Okay. Yeah, like, maybe halfway I, I down. Halfway, I'm, I'm like, my op is trained halfway down the angle. I'd call that an off angle. You're just yeah, holding yeah, off yeah. angle with an like, off. I, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. holding a halfway down. So, like, I'm not I'm not staring all the way towards, like, fountain. Or whatever you want to call that area. And I'm not fountain, holding yeah. I'm not holding tight enough in octagon or towards the TP area either. I'm, I'm staring halfway down that corridor. And I think I got so much value off them 
Well, number one, not catching me with the Sky Flash or the Fade Eye that they put to see if yeah. someone was there. And then they, I guess they didn't want to use the dog on that angle. That's or the dumb. prowler. You use the dog on that angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had two yeah. prowlers and a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two they have prowlers two prowlers and a dog. You should use something to clear octagon. You yeah. should use the dog for that angle. I fully agree with that. You you should dog all the way up that and have that player be or have the dog be first contact. Uh, but hey, then, you weren't putting an all chat. Use your prowler sure, to clear sure, me sure. out next time. Or, you were taking or, a yeah, yeah, Well, because I don't think the prowler can't yeah. safely clear me from all the way behind cover. Um, well, you're outside. Are you outside of octagon? Or are you in octagon? I'm in octagon. Okay. Um, I think the, the prowler can clear you. I don't think the prowler could reach me from all the way down long. Until no, they, no, they they have to be up. They have to be. Yeah, like, we're assuming they come up long yeah. to the point where you don't see them yet, but like they have gained. Yeah, but like I mean. I'm staring, okay, I'd say I'm staring most of the way down long. I'm just not staring all the way down. Um, okay, but at any rate, I got so much value off them angle. just, yeah, 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 just like, I guess assuming that I was therefore offing a short or showers or just not be long because I wasn't on the off angle be long. Mm-hmm. And they just push up and I'd be able to get that kill. Um... And it was, I, I also think that, like, I, like, at the spacing, like, because I know exactly where along that wall I want to have my crosshair at, like, exactly how much of the angle I'm taking up, and I feel like I have a really good understanding of what the right spacing is, such that, okay, this long angle is free, I want to flash octagon, or I want to do whatever this util might be into octagon so that we can clear octagon. That, like, I caught Phoenix slash Omen with utility in their hands a lot, being a flasher paranoia. As they were, mm-hmm. like, they, like, clearly just, like, hit the button to pull out their utility. I'm moving up to throw said utility, and that's when they entered the cross Or, like, that's when they entered my crosshair. Which, like... I also play chamber, so I get out of, out of that angle. If you're not playing chamber, like, second person almost assuredly kills you. But, like, it... But, like, perk off right angles, really. Like, that's, yeah. that's what that's saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, um... Okay. Another question for you guys. And I'm gonna eliminate Phoenix from the conversation. Oh, man. If ultimates are removed from the game, who gets nerfed the hardest, and who, in comparison is just, like, doing that much better because they don't have to deal with other people's alts. Okay, have so not discussed this on podcast before? Recently? So, minus ultimates, who's the strongest character? No, no, not, not, not minus ultimates, who's the strongest, like, okay, I guess... Well, that's exactly what you're is, saying. Okay, if you take ultimates out of the game... Who gets, who gets nerfed hit, the hardest? Who yeah. gets nerfed the hardest... And oh, okay, I see what you mean. Losing their ultimate does the least in terms of well, no, no now nobody else has fucking ultimates, and I'm chilling because whatever, I lost mine. Well, I think I think the answer I to the answers. second is really easy, which is Omen. If you take away Omen's TP alt, it's like yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? I, yeah, which we most recently talked about. Yeah. I have a different opinion on the matter. Okay, well, interesting. I'm just trying to think of like who who gets nerfed the hardest other than Phoenix. Yeah. Um, 
See, this is this is wild because I could have sworn we talked about this on podcast, but I must have thought of this as a topic for podcast and then mm. never brought it up. Because like I've definitely thought about this before with regard to podcasts. Well, I'm thinking of Killjoy for mm-hmm. like who gets nerfed the hardest. Um That's difficult. I mean, okay, let's flip scripts to the to the other part of that mm-hmm. because I just thought of Cipher, and I think that Cipher is totally fine without his ultimate, and he doesn't really give a shit. Like it's a nice thing, but like fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now other people don't have ultimates. Whatever. Yeah. Um. But this is basically in in the. Like, this is basically a discussion of what, like, at least that aspect of it is which ultimates are the strongest or the weakest. Like, the, obviously, the characters with the weakest ultimates are going to be the most fine. Again, I've got a different opinion on the matter. You're, you're, are you thinking, you're thinking of some ultimate synergy where, like, like, uh, if other ultimates are not removed from the game or, like, then, or are removed from the game, then it, like, you know, counters this ultimate or whatever, something like that? Nope. Or like some piece of utility is strongly countered by an by an ultimate. I'm, like, what are you thinking of? Yeah, I'm curious where Cass has got his yeah. coming on this. I'm thinking Reyna's best off without other people having alts. And oh, sure, Reyna's oh. alt could be nice, but fuck, it'd be great if there wasn't a fucking breach alt flying my way. There wasn't a brim fucking alting me out of this angle. There isn't a raise flying at me with her alt. Like, I'm thinking Reyna just does the best when no alts are in the game. Because you play Reyna if you want to just take fucking gunfights. That's very interesting. I, I I still would I would put the I would slot her in with Omen and Cipher like Omen still as the um, least affected just because I think his ult is so incredibly situational. And you can Reyna still ult- take gunfights. You're like, well, an Omen still hates to be breach ulted. Like, yeah, there there's no difference there other than the Reyna can get out free still. Well, just so, like let that's me just finish a normal gunfight. Yeah. yeah, let me just finish real quick to say that I would put it as. Uh, Omen is least affected, then Reyna, then Cypher. In terms um, of losing their ults? Yeah. Well, in terms of how much they don't care, how happy they are with a no-ult game. That Omen is most happy, then Reyna, then Cypher. See, I, I don't think it's Omen. I, I think it's Reyna's happiest with a no-ult game. Well, I think I think it's, that's just... It's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow for me over Omen, because while I totally get where you're coming from of that, you know... As Reyna, you're not depending on your ult, and other enemy ults have a massive impact on your ability to do what you want to do, which is, you know, stick around, be a nuisance, take fights. Um, I just feel like Reyna ult is really good for Reyna, for what she wants to do. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Omen ult is just garbage. <laughs> like, it's incredibly situational, and there are so many times when, if you're an Omen player, you have your ult available, and just, it's far better for you to just play the round than use the ult right now, so you just sit on it. Yeah, but I, I feel like Omen isn't impacted by other players' alts as frequently. Oh, I would agree. Uh, I would agree. Well, I, w- I would say yes. Omen is impacted by other players' alts just as frequently. Well, he's, he's impacted in the sense that he's getting affected by them, but mm-hmm. the thing with Omen is if you're 
you know, if you're first on to site and then the enemy hits a breach all, uh, you know, they hear a bunch of you, they hit a breach all. Now, you know, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought midway through that. Let me restart. You're Reyna, you're first, you're leading the team on to site. And the enemy breach hits an ult because he hears five of you in that area. Uh, you're, you're being very loud. Now, you as Arena really, really hate that. As Omen, you're behind the rest of your team. You're probably much more likely to be able to just, you know, talk to the side and maybe even throw out a smoke as you're still concussed. Like, you don't need to be fully able to take a fight at all times as Omen to do your job on the team, whereas Reyna, you do. Yeah, so, like, yeah I mean, well, also as Reyna... Well, one, yeah, you are pushed up further, most likely. You're most likely more yeah. into mm-hmm. into sight, so you're more likely to be hit um, in that case. Um, but also, like, Reyna, I guess, the only way she can use her utility is by getting kills. Yeah. Other yeah. than the blind. Like, other than Lear. So, like, you know, in order to use the utility, you need to be able to take gunfights, and ults often prevent you from taking those gunfights. Um, so I understand that aspect of it, but I agree with Hunter that Omen is more happy with no ults because, um, Rana can still do all of that shit and Omen's just as effective of like, if you're in the same position. Okay. But I think my, I think my argument against Omen here is at least no, I probably didn't do this back when I played Omen, but like Omen should always try. To be player three in a gunfight. As in, whoever's mm-hmm. entry is player one, whoever the opponent is is player two. Omen is trying to be player three. Oh, I forgot that's how you count player three. We've had this <laughs> yeah, conversation before. Yeah, 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 we've before. had this conversation <laughs> yeah. but, Like, Omen's right, trying yeah. to player three every fucking gunfight. I think... Yeah, like three is third man in. Yeah, that's the... Third man in when, when I think of like melee terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When you think <laughs> yeah. of melee terms, yeah, third man. You're like, yeah, you're, you're trying to play your three every possible scenario. Because you don't actively have anything that directly advantages you in being player one or being player two in this scenario. I mean, you have a smoke. Kind of your parents. You have a blind. Yeah, yeah. kind of your parents. But like, your paranoia is best suited when somebody else plays off the contact of it. Or, like, plays off your paranoia better than you using it. Right. It's kind of like being Breach. If you can get other people to play off your utility, that's just way better than you having to play off your own utility. Um, obviously, Omen is slightly better than Breach at playing off his own utility. But, here we are. Um, I just feel like, as Reyna, you are always looking for fair gunfights, and you're probably playing Reyna, because you're good at doing that. I still think Omen's ult is just so much worse than Reyna's, that like, the the negative is coming down, like, like brings everything down more than the positive is bringing everything up. That I'm I'm with Chase on this one. That I totally see what you're what you're going for, Cass. It's just that mm-hmm. as I'm thinking about you know Omen Ult, in addition to the situ- incredibly situational value it provides, there's also a pretty significant opportunity cost where you know you can't be using your utility or taking gunfights during the entire duration of your old animation, which is just you know that's that's just going on why Omen Ult isn't very good. 
But like yeah, Brandon's ult plays so much into what you're talking about, where right you know, it at it like advantages her into doing the thing that she wants to do, and more, let's not... like so much more than the Omen ult advantages him into doing what mm-hmm. he wants to do. Yeah, and let's not forget as well that you know one of the key you know power fantasy aspects of Reyna is getting multi kills, and you only have two charges of your soul orb unless you're ulting. So, you know, if it's late in a round, you need your ult to be able to continue to use your abilities. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, I'm not trying to say Reyna's ult is bad. Oh, no, I, di- I didn't think you were. No, I just but think that the power I, I think loss the of Reyna losing her ult is very significant, whereas the power loss of Omen losing his ult is so negligible that then counterbalancing that with, uh, yeah, you know, the effect I, I, relative I, I, I to other agents. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I just disagree, and I think Omen gets more, or Omen gets less out of the fact that nobody else in the game has an alt as well. Yeah. I think Reyna just gets more out of nobody else having an alt. Yeah, I think we might just have to agree to very slightly disagree yeah. on this, because I think yeah. we see where we're coming from, and we're almost on the same page. It's just comparing two very different things yeah, yeah, and yeah. weighting them differently. Yeah. I mean, Cass, right, so... you have an answer to the other side of things? Um, I don't know exactly Exactly. Uh, someone, somebody on Reddit picked a really good. Uh, somebody on Reddit made a really good point, which like <laughs> is kind of funny, but I don't think is the answer to this question. Uh, but they said that uh, you could just remove Deadlock from the game at this point without her ult. Oh, I kind of forgot Deadlock was a character. Yeah, <laughs> which is like I, yeah, I wasn't exactly nowhere Deadlock. in my brain did Deadlock yeah, enter the conversation. The only fucking reason anybody plays Deadlock is because their alt's kind of cool. Pull them to their grave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's no other fucking reason to play Deadlock. Well, I mean, I will say her wall is solid. Yeah, her wall does something. It prevents people yeah. from moving in an area without yeah, shooting yeah. it. But like you know, a <laughs> yeah, your wall is kind of comparable to. But a dead, wall. deadlock's a good answer here. If you're um, also if you're just trying to stall people out from pushing onto site, I mean, fucking viper does that just as well as I would, just as well as deadlock does. I would argue. Yeah. And then hey, you're not fucking worthless. Yeah, back. I do. I do um, have an early thought on this though. I haven't thought through all the agents to be like this mm-hmm. is definitely the one. But my current pick for, uh, you know, yeah, worst off having losing losing their ult is Brim. I was because thinking I, Brim as well. Yeah, because I, I think he makes up for some of the ways in which he is limited um, versus other controllers by how good his ult is. Like, I think his ult is uh-huh. a I think Brim's ult is a much more significant part of Brim's overall power than for... Most other controllers, if not all other controllers. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm thinking Deadlock might be a better answer, but Brim is an interesting answer. Where well, Deadlock like, is in a, a weird lot of spot people where she's just a bad Brim. agent. Yeah. 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 Deadlock is currently the only truly bad agent in the game, where at both ranked and pro, it's just there's just the question of why would you play her versus mm-hmm. the other options. Whereas, as we discussed earlier, all of the other agents have at least some somewhat of a niche in either ranked or pro and deadlock just has nothing yeah yeah i yeah. i mean like the thing is with brim some people like you you might want to pick him for the longer smokes and for the ability to drop three smokes simultaneously mm-hmm. which like 
can be very, very useful uh, depending on map and circumstances. Oh, for um, sure. And I think that that's, you know, more important than like the deadlock stuff. So I think that, yeah. you know, Brim is better off than deadlock losing the ult, but you are also right that deadlock's just bad. And so <laughs> yeah, you, I you feel can like be deadlock... like, okay, you remove yeah. deadlock and Phoenix? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think you do just because deadlock is in such a weird situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with being terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think obviously yeah. Phoenix gets hit the hardest, but like a couple of contenders I had up there as well that are like potentially like sneakier picks um, is number one being Gecko. I think Gecko is potentially a sneaky pick mm. in which like, I think his alt is quite good. Um, yeah. And the rest of his kit is a little bit lacking, in my opinion. But like his kit's a little bit lacking, but I think that like the ult gets less value in rounds than we originally thought that it did, and so the the ult is not that significant. Okay, granted, I, I think Echo does belong high up there. But like, okay, maybe. The... But I think that the like the fucking flash bird and the like whatever the fuck his thing is the. Same. Dizzy. Little bro, wingman, Dizzy. wingman, Dizzy, oh, no, Dizzy. And, yeah. Dizzy, yeah, and Mosh, Mosh. 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 things, yeah. But um, yeah, I think that wingman and and Dizzy, Dizzy specifically, are are quite valuable to the rounds. Yeah, sure. I just feel like okay. A Deadlock's alt is a sky dog on steroids. Deadlock's ult? Sorry. Um, Gecko's ult, Gecko's ult. Right? Gecko's ult. Yeah. ult is a Skydog on fucking steroids. And Skydog's really fucking good. Yeah, Skydog like, you I, get every yeah, round. Like, Yeah, yeah, granted. Like, I, one's an ult versus one being an ability, but like... I, I don't know. Hunter, you've played Gecko before. How many ult points does he need? I want to say it's a 7 point seven? Okay. I'm going to look it up, though. Um... Relatively farmable. Very good. Yeah, I do think Gecko the alt shark is a great ability yeah. because there's really only one situation in which you get no value out of your uh, out of your ult, or sorry, you get minimal value out of your ult and then only get to use it once, and that's when you alt into an area, it's spammed down, and then your team doesn't take that space. Because if your team does take the space. Now it's useful. Right. Well then then it's useful and then you also retrieve it and get it for like the late round where mm. it's even more valuable. And there's no like, you know, timer or anything where you have to cast it again in a certain yeah. amount of you know time. And then like if you check out an area and it's clear, now you know it's clear and you can just pilot the shark back to yourself so you can safely retrieve it. So like personally that's I think the shark is a really, really great ult. And um, like Yeah. Also, say you get Spam down. It is a seven point team. Okay. So yeah. you do get spammed down, your team can't take that space. It's most likely because there's a lot of people there. In which case, hey, you got the info. There's a lot of people here. Um Okay. I the other two answers that I have are are Yoru and Killjoy. And Yoru Yoru I completely disagree with. Yoru I also kinda disagree with, but like very farmable alt. Quite good. Yeah, quite well, I mean, like, I feel like de- decent info, not the best ult, not like, and the rest of his kit being the the TP and the flash yeah, yeah. are like so integral to the ult too. I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. 
Uh, but no, like there's they're useful outside of the old significantly. So yeah, I, they I would are. Say you take your out of this conversation entirely. I, I I just feel like there's and like I like I don't know how much you saw of Ethan playing Yoru on Pearl, but Quite like a bit. it was. I feel like Ethan made Yoru's alt look very good. Just in yeah, how and, often he was able to get yeah. it up, the amount of utility he could safely throw exactly where he wanted it for the rest of his team to be able to capitalize off of, specifically in regards to the flashes. Um, and then oftentimes just, like, didn't do any aggro, I'm gonna pop out of my alt and try to take a gunfight. Uh, was just like, hey, like, this is where everybody is. Demon 1, you've got disgusting fucking aim, and now you know where they are. And also, I can flash them for you. Yeah, and then just he did a lot more... I think more than ult, obviously, because the ult only comes up a couple times a half. But he did a lot more flash peak TP plays. Yeah, granted, I'm not. I'm not like trying to say like flash yeah. peak TP out. Yeah, I, I like Yoru would be a fucking dark horse in this conversation to say the least. Yeah. I just felt yeah. like there was something to be said about that. Like I think, and oftentimes in ranked, I feel like you very rarely end up seeing people get max value out of his ult. Most likely, just or well, almost entirely because it's that much harder to have the proper coordination with the rest of your team. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, that I think that, that that is a much more valid answer the higher you go, particularly up to the pro level. Um, because one of the most frustrating things about Yoru ult that I've experienced so many times is, you know, I can't immediately hop out of it. So I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going in. I'm, I have my ult. I, I'm in my ult. I'm calling out, oh, there's a person right here. I call out their exact location. I'm pinging them. They're, I'm looking at them. And then I just watch them kill my teammates. Like, that is just, a, it's an awful experience for sure. And, like, that, you know, that goes to show that, you know, we're not getting that giga value of being like, oh, I know perfectly where to throw my flash so my team can peek off of it. And if I tell my team someone's there, then that means they now have an 80% chance of winning that fight. Because, yeah. you know, we're not pros. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you if we were limiting the discussion to pro. I have another contender, though, that I was kind of expecting you to say. Okay, what is it? Sova. And the reason why is that with the, especially with the meta shifts um, and Sova's utility being nerfed, um, I think that Sova's kit is looking on the weaker side versus other initiators these days. And I think that his ult being as good as it is is a is a actually very massive, um, and so removing it, I think that he would actually that actually significantly impact his pick rate versus other non ult having initiators. It's not bad. I think that like you know there was a time when we were like, oh, Silver Drone's the best utility in the game. I don't. But now that it's very short range, true anymore. Yeah. Um, and also with the uh you know you know two or three to two ping on the on the dart like that's a huge nerf especially for lower ranks yeah i um, feel like generally though like the first ping is the one that matters especially for higher ranks yeah but i'm saying for for like the normal rank experience mm -hmm. like the three pings matters a lot and even for higher ranks it's just longer time of area control yeah right. yeah yeah like if yeah. you're gonna hide from this dart you gotta hide for an extra ping yeah yeah i mean it's just a significant amount of time it's you know mm -hmm. fucking 30 percent less time it's actually uh 
33.33% last time, no trace. I like the pushing up of the glasses <laughs> as well, really sold it. <laughs> yeah. But, I, okay, I, I guess the one thing that I'd say, like, goes against this argument is, like, okay, Soba might have potentially the most flexible alt in the game. Um... But a lot of that comes from being able to counter other alts, specifically Killjoys. Uh, I that definitely is a part of it, but I also think that there's tons of value just from the ult itself. Whether you're looking at post plant, whether you're looking at you know any situation where you have an idea of where the enemy is, just mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I am behind early, ring early round rest. info to like slash kills, yeah. possibly yeah. through walls, you know. That's oh, no, like course. a, like, so you know, you, you can ult down like a long angle and be like, yeah. either they're not there, it means that they're somewhere else. And if they are there, I'm getting a kill. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's yeah. significant. Oh yeah. No, like I, I, I do think that like Sova is a solid contender in this argument. Like his yeah. ult is really fucking good and losing that ult and all the versatility that comes with it is brutal. I, I'm just trying to look at it from the perspective of nobody else has their ult either. Yeah, the, the reason why I'm still kind of and... liking Sova here is that, like, I see what you're saying about, you know, considering his value of breaking ults and how much mm-hmm. is that a thing. But I'm also just kind of coming back to the fact that, you know, we're very much, I'm looking at the meta of the game as well, and we're very much in a single initiator meta right now where Sova is already struggling to uh, show up because I guess he's often the second initiator if he's in yeah. the team comp at all. Um, and so just having anything that reduces his power level by a significant chunk. It, it threatens to push him out of the game entirely in terms yeah. of the meta, which which is kind of why I, I'm looking at it as significant. If you looked at right. it more in a vacuum of not looking at the meta, if like, you know, just if you said you could have as many of each role as you want in a game, then I think it would be less of a less of a big deal. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. But like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, Killjoy is the only alt that I like I specifically listed, but like, mm-hmm. I think by being able to like, like, say that they either, like, breach alt or, like, fade alt to, like, push onto a site, right? Mm-hmm. If your Soba's in an area where he can alt that main choke that they're all trying to flood out of, like, that can immediately nullify those alts as well. Yeah, that I mean, but nice. the same with so yeah. many other alts. Yeah, that is true. Like, yeah, you could brim alt Br- that. Brim alt, yeah. you could breach alt that. You could you breach could... alt back, yeah. Harbor ult that sure could, like well okay I would actually argue that harbor ult doesn't do dick in that regard because if they breach all the har- site they're pushing onto the site the harbor ult is not the harbor ult forces you to move move yeah true. which they're doing anyway because they're pushing on to take the site and you already know where they where they are for yeah info. yeah it could slow them down though I feel like it could do the opposite it'd speed them up. If maybe take, that's what it, you want. It could force them to take unoptimal. Duels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, like I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad yeah. idea, but I feel like it doesn't do anything in terms of like stopping them from pushing on. In fact, it incentivizes them to push on even harder, which again could be exactly what you want. But yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got about for today. I want to go to Ooh. bed. Yeah. Well, you want to wait us out of here? Yeah, we'll drink with you later.